You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. episode 17 of not another week's podcast the wendell clark edition this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings, so please be sure to download the DraftKings app now new users enter the code thpn at sign up for exclusive offers the toronto maple leafs complete the mini sweep against the calgary flames and of course ending in some fireworks kenny the leafs six and two on the season sitting atop the scotiabank north division Man, this is just the beginning. These two teams don't play again until late February, but wow, it looked like the end of Goon 2 there with Matthew Kachuk just going off the wall. Yeah, I'll, I don't really want to bury the lead here because I think the biggest takeaway for me is the fact that Toronto was able to walk into Calgary, play a very talented, physical Flames team, and take four of the four possible points in regulation from Calgary, leaving them not even a consolation point from being able to push one of the games to OT. And this is the sort of thing that Toronto is going to have to do throughout the season. When you're playing all the games in the division, all of a sudden every game is a three point game, a four point game. So for them to be able to do this on the road in particular was very impressive for me. Uh, The fireworks at the end to be expected, really um, not a response to Matthew, Matthew Kachuk during the game, but Muzzin obviously flipping the puck at the end and, He'll be living rent-free in Matthew's head until they play again at the end of late February. I thought Kachuk looked like Anders Kane from Goon 2. He just absolutely exploded. <laughs> now, look, at that was a classless, classless move by Jake Muzzin. The game is over. Hold on to the puck. You've completed the mini sweep. Get out of there. You're on to Edmonton. And the last guy you want to flip a puck to, I mean, I think any any player would react the same way. And kudos to Sportsnet for, for getting the temper tantrum. But... Man, I don't know why that was needed, and I think Muzzin is going to regret doing that because February is circled. February 22nd, that is. That is circled on Matthew Kachuk's calendar. 
Well, Muzzin's a big boy. He's been in the league a long time. He's won a cup final with the LA Kings. So he understands exactly what he's doing and the player that he's doing it to in that situation. So I think he's going to be ready to answer the bell if he needs to when they play again at the end of late February. Brendan, this is the equivalent of going outside of a bar and flicking your dart at somebody to instigate something. Yes. I don't know if you've yes. ever seen that move happen. Oh, yeah, like, I've seen it. Maybe outside AAA a few times. Oh, yeah. There's nothing that will instigate or escalate a little bit of a confrontation faster than flicking your dart. That's exactly what Jake Muzzin did. <laughs> I've seen it happen before. I may or may not have flicked my darts at people before in the past, although we won't get into details to instigate Was it after Leafs loss? Uh, no, actually, <laughs> we, won't, we won't get into the details about it. But all I'm saying is that exact, Jake Muzzin knows exactly what he's doing there. And I agree with you, totally classless. But then again, so was Kachuk jumping on the back of Jack Campbell. And everybody wants to say, oh, it was an accident and say, oh, I don't know what scrum you're talking about. It's like everybody knows exactly what he did. And even if Campbell's injury ends up being a leg injury, which, you know, sort of that's why our Maple Leaf fans were up in arms. They thought it might be like upper back or neck or whatever, but nothing happened on that particular play. But you knew there was going to be a response from Toronto. Maybe it wasn't the response that a lot of fans expected. They thought that it might be, Wayne Simmons dropping the gloves, you know, and ready to pummel him or whatever the response would have been. But certainly the table is set now for when the, this team, these two teams rather meet again at the end of February. And for Toronto now, they can take their four points, put them in their pocket and head across the province for another two game set against the Edmonton Oilers. We got a poll going up on Twitter right now. How confident are you in the Maple Leafs goaltending with Campbell expected to miss weeks due to injury. 24% say confident, 18% not confident, 58% saying guess we'll see. So a bit of a luxury for the Leafs. They don't have a back-to-back, Kenny, till Feb 17th, 18th. So Keefe is not too worried about that. Freddie's going to obviously shoulder a lot of the workload here. But if Michael Hutchison will have to come in and fill the void at some point, then he's going to be, I'm sure, up to the task. As we say, he's a consummate professional. I don't know if he's going to, emulate what he did with Colorado in the playoffs where he had a really successful stint and hopefully Campbell can be back as swiftly as possible. I've been seeing a lot of Maple Leaf fans absolutely raking the Maple Leafs general management and raking the organization over the fact that Hutchinson is now finding himself in a position where he's the backup goaltender again after the struggles that he had in the blue and white last season. I don't think this is fair to the organization or to Kyle Dubas at all, because they had planned for this. They had Aaron Dell in the third slot. Ultimately, they ended up having to make some roster moves based off the fact that Nick Robertson got injured and had to be moved to the LTIR. They end up having to send Aaron Dell down onto the waivers. He gets plucked up out by the New Jersey Devils. So Hutchison is your four string goalie coming into the year. And I still don't mind him being in the third string slot as being a NHL fringe backup fringe starter sort of guy. Well, not fringe starter, but he has a wealth of NHL experience. Then your backup gets injured. So all of a sudden Hutchinson gets plugged back in. I really don't mind this situation for Toronto as far as this being the third option. At least you have a guy with NHL experience, a guy who's good in the locker room, a guy who's well-liked by all the players. You know, we saw last year, even after losses, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Jake Muzzin, all these guys going to bat for Hutchinson. And let's see what he's got. It's a new year. He can press reset. The team has been playing much better team defense in front of the goaltenders. And I think that he will actually have an opportunity to succeed and would not be surprised at all 
to see him not in the first game against Edmonton, but perhaps in the second game, just to, to give Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas an idea of what they have in this player. You're absolutely right, Kenny, but it, it no doubt stings because you look at the goalie tandems, the best goalie tandems in the league. You look at Vegas, you look at Montreal, and I was looking at the Leafs too when, when Campbell was healthy. So hopefully Hutch can, can come in and provide um, a, a big, maybe not a boost, but just a little bit of stability and, and restore faith in, in the Leafs Twitter world, because obviously management and players still think he can be effective as a backup. He just has to go 500 and that's all he has to do. They have to, he has to give his team a chance to win. And we know Toronto can put pucks in the net by the bunches. Hutchinson just has to come up with that big save in the similar way that Jack Campbell has been able to for the organization. But I'm with the 58% line right now. Let's wait and see what Hutchinson's got. He's looked better at different points of his career, especially after he got traded to Colorado last year. Looked very good in a couple of playoff games for them. So let's wait and see what Hutchinson is before we get our panties in a bunch here. I would much rather an ugly win than a pretty loss. I mean, how many times in the past have, <laughs> have we said that the yeah, Leafs outscore their problems, right? It's like 7-5 yeah. final. But hey, you still allowed a five spot and you left Freddie out to dry. Four of the Leafs' six wins have been decided by one goal games. And I think they're showing much more pushback and they're really making a, a clog up in the neutral zone. How many times last night was Monaghan and Goudreau and a lot of the other top six of the Flames were trying to penetrate through the neutral zone. They couldn't get anything going. I mean, that first period was one of the best Leafs periods I've seen in probably two years. The first period they dominated. And the problem with that was that then in the second period, they kind of regressed back to their past selves and let the Flames dominate them. I believe in the first period, they outshot Calgary 10 to one, where then the second period they were outshot 18 to five, obviously Calgary scoring two goals in the seconds to claw back within one. So that's sort of the Jekyll and Hyde team that we've come to come to recognize with Toronto is that they can be dominant and look like one of the best teams in the NHL at times. And then other times they can sort of seem like they're coasting a little bit and get dominated by the other team. So the real struggle will be for Sheldon Keefe to find a way to steady the ship. So it doesn't fluctuate too much one way or the other, because that's when you get into trouble and, I thought last night, though, like if they could continue to play that the way that they played in the first, certainly this is a team that's going to be well on track heading into later in the season for their standing in the division and heading into the postseason. I know it's very early for that, but I've been very impressed to see what the Toronto Maple Leafs have displayed right now, particularly as you were alluding to on the defensive side, where they seem to be more committed. And that's really what it comes down to will over skill. And they seem to be willing to go into the dirty areas and just clog up and back check and do all the little things that you need to do to be a more dominant, just well-balanced organization. I really like how Keith is keeping that internal competitiveness alive too, especially in the bottom six. I mean, Travis Dermott was a healthy scratch last night. Barra Bonoff and Jason Spezza were out. In comes Travis Boyd and Joey Anderson to inject a little grit, a little speed into the bottom six. And Hey, it results in a goal. Travis Boyd with a sweet sauce pass from Pierre Engvall, a.k.a. the I Gazelle. Love that sauce. Man, that was a beautiful setup and good for Travis Boyd. I think he's going to probably get some confidence out of that and hopefully remain in the in the bottom six. He's a dynamic player, man. I got to be honest. I haven't seen some sauce that tasted that good since I used to work at a all aboard pizzeria and ice cream parlor in uh, New Milford, Connecticut. Sexy Hobby 
who was the Ecuadorian chef who made the pizza sauce there. He was uh, unreal. And that sauce last night from Pierre Angaval. Yes, sexy hobby. Big shout out. But it was an unreal pass from Angaval who just thread the needle to Boyd, sort of a rolling puck. He's able to force it through Markstrom. And these are the contributions that really help your team when you can get some offense out of the bottom six. This is what's been missing for Toronto and been a large part of the discussion over the last several seasons is that they're too top heavy and they don't have the depth scoring. You're able to get some of the depth scoring last night and ultimately ends up leading to another W. So when we take a look at the league leaders in points as of 11 a.m. Jan 27th, eight of the 10 players are coming from Canadian teams. They have been dominant. Mitch Marner atop the leaderboard tied with Connor McDavid with 12 points. Him and Matthews on reduced minutes last night, Kenny, but they were able to to find the score sheet. And Matthews, or pardon me, Marner was saying post game, you know, I'm, I've been practicing that shot a lot in practice with Austin. And, you know, there's been times where maybe Marner's trying to be too cute, make that second last play, but he's got a lethal shot. And I think he, we're going to continue to see more of that. One transition that Mitch Marner made this offseason was switching the flex on his stick. I believe he went a little bit lighter on the flex. They might be using a 80 right now. I don't know the exact number, but it's allowed him to get more torque on his shot. And I think it's been noticeable, his ability to fire the puck on net. He's already got, I believe, five goals so far on the season. And he's tied for the league league in points with McDavid. And that's impressive company when you're up at the top there. I think Toronto fans, when you look at the last, traditionally the last couple of years, it's always been Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid. Mitch Marner is emerging as, the best player on this roster as far as the similar play style to McDavid. He's faster. He's like dominant on the puck, his playmaking and his chemistry with Matthews. I mean, last night he just threaded the needle to Austin Matthews on that power play. And it was an unreal pass through the teeth of the Calgary flames penalty kill. And then Matthews just picked it up quick release off the bar and in. And if you could get those two guys cooking, that's going to bode really well for Toronto moving in down the stretch here. And just to look at the, to build on what you were saying, and I believe this was pointed out by Brian Hayes on Overdrive originally, that eight of the top 10 Canadian players are, le- are leading the league in scoring, or eight of the top 10 are on Canadian teams. Marner, McDavid, Ehlers, Dreisaitl, Horvat, Shifley, Kopp, and Connor, all in the top 10. So I don't know if that shows that the Canadian division is one of the most porous divisions as far as defense is concerned, or the goaltenders aren't up to par but certainly is showing dominance from these players in the Canadian rosters. And you'll love to see it for the fans of the game up north of the border. All right, let's head to around the league. Okay, I want to begin. I know we're mainly targeting the Scotia North division, but the Dallas Stars, they have won, they played three games. So they have four or five games in hand over the, the rest of the league. And they've won three straight. The Dallas Stars are continuing what they did in their style of play from last year's cup run. They haven't missed a beat at all, and they've won three straight. And it's going to look good down the stretch, too, when in the conclusion of this shortened season, they could be a bubble team, and then they say, hey, wait a second, we have four more games in hand on X team. We could we could easily slip in there. All right, devil's advocate here. The fact that they've missed a large part of their games early on the season also means they're going to be playing a very condensed schedule down the whole stretch. They're basically going to be playing a game every other night for the rest of the way. So fatigue will be an issue. I circled this team as being a team that I thought might struggle to keep up with their pace after making the cup final a year ago. Uh, Tyler Sagan, their top center, 
expected to miss the majority of the season. Ben Bishop, their starting goaltender, expected to miss significant time. So I really thought that they were going to struggle into entering this year. Obviously, the COVID concerns had them miss a large part of their first part of the season. They missed a number of games, so that's why they have so many games in hand. It's really going to come down to whether or not they're going to be able to stay healthy and stay in, stay in shape, stay in good physical form because the schedule is condensed already. And now they've compacted it even more for themselves due to COVID concerns. So they're going to have to really persevere through adversity, but really impressive to see what Dallas has been able to do in their first couple of games after coming back from the coronavirus, um, how do you call it, quarantine. Canucks dominating the Sens 7-1 on Monday. They play again Wednesday night, tonight, Jan 27th. Ottawa's lost five straight Kenny since their win against Toronto. Brandon Sutter, of course, with that Hattie for Van. Seems like the Nucks and Sens are playing like every night. And they're the lone team, too. It's like 12 teams or 12 matchups in actions. And then the next night, oh, it's just Sens and Nucks. Well, Ottawa's regressed to the mean, haven't they? This is where everybody expected them to be at the bottom of the Canadian division. And now with five straight losses since their win over the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's exactly where they find themselves. This is a young team. This isn't shouldn't come as a surprise to any fans. I know that the organization internally felt they were going to be able to compete for a playoff spot, and that was re- a reasonable expectation. But these other six teams in the Canadian division have already demonstrated that they have competed in past years and are ready to compete this year. So I think it's going to be a really long season for Ottawa where they're going to be struggling on a lot of nights uh, with a much younger roster than their opposition. Uh, congrats to Brandon Sutter as well, who got a Hattie in that 7-1 victory on Monday. Braden Holtby, uh, the lone hat that ends up on the ice. So that was a nice little nugget, as you like to say, from that Vancouver win. Jets beating the Oilers 6-4 Tuesday. Nick Ehlers has been fantastic. If you don't have him on your fantasy team, try and pick him up or package him. In you a, have to trade in everybody. Deal. Pretty much. I mean, he has been lights out for, for Winnipeg, and we talked about their their scoring depth as well, and obviously they're adding a pretty good center in Pierre-Luc Dubois. You were kind of giving it to the Jets a few nights ago, but they've strung together a few wins, granted some against the Sens, but... They're right now in the uh, top tier of the Scotia North, Kenny. Well, they're scoring a lot of goals. And I'll tell you, I was watching a little bit of this game last night before the Maple Leafs game came on at 9 o'clock Eastern time. And Paul Stastny, Nikolai Ehlers, and Andrew Kopp have been a dominant line for Winnipeg. I thought that they – I think they all bring a little bit of a different dynamic for the to their game. Stastny, the veteran center, understands, a nice playmaker. Uh, Ehlers is a little bit more offensively talented with a high-end speed. And Kopp is a more – two-way player he's been very noted for his defensive abilities in the zone so that line has looked great for the Winnipeg Jets and once they get Pierre-Luc Dubois in the mix down the road here it's then they're going to be looking real real comfortable although I'm I think that'll be in probably two weeks he might miss six or seven games by the time it's all said and done to do the Manitoba quarantine policies one thing about the Oilers and we noted this coming in to the season was that they're so top-heavy and that they are going to have the balance offensively. Get this. I was looking at the Oilers stats this morning. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid, and Leon Dreisaitl have combined for 30 points so far this season. The rest of the Oilers skaters have just 31. Every other skater on the team combined has one more point than those three players. And that's a pretty defined picture of what it's going to be for Edmonton 
throughout the year, if you add Kathery Yamamoto to that mix, then it's 36 to 25 for those players versus the rest of the roster. So no balance in Edmonton. They're going to have to try to figure it out, whether that's addressing it through trade or that whether Ken Holland just decides to ride his big boys to the end and see if they could sneak in on average goaltending and riding their big horses. But man, you highlighted before the year, just no balance in that Edmonton lineup. No, no, extremely top heavy. And I was saying this to my roommate Spencer too, as we were going down to Timmy's earlier, it's been kind of the same sort of patch and go since 2017. Obviously they won a round against the ducks, I believe, but ever since then, it's been obviously leading with the two headed monster and McDavid dry but then you're kind of patchworking your, your scoring depth and they haven't really been able to amalgamate a good supporting cast for McDavid. So hopefully things can pick up there for the Canadians. They still haven't lost in regulation, Kenny. They're going to take on the flames. They're hosting the flames tomorrow. I mean, not a flashy team at all, but like you said last time, and they're continuing to do so scoring bunches and it's been scoring by committee for that team. And man, they, they have been, uh, Take, definitely taken me by surprise. They're basically the opposite of the Oilers. They have no high-end, high-high-end, top-end talents, and Montreal Canadiens fans will jump down my throat for that, saying, you know, Koko Niemi and Nick Suzuki, who definitely have potential to get there. But I think when you look at their lineup, like you said, it's been by committee. They have a ton of guys that have four points, five points, six points. Tyler Toffoli right now is their leader for points, and he certainly... You know, he had a good year in Vancouver last year, but you wouldn't expect this to be the guy who's leading your franchise in points. Um, what's more impressive to me is they've been able to do this despite the fact that Carey Price has struggled. He has a sub 900 save percentage, um, 2-0-2 on the season, but they're getting it done by committee. Allen on the other side has looked really good, 2-0, uh, 9-0-7 and just 2.01 goals against average. And this is a tough group. They're going to be neck and neck, it seems like, with Toronto for the top spot in that division, it's going to make the head to head matchups between these two franchises all the more exciting. So it's been a while since the matchups between Toronto and Montreal have been, have meant something the way they're going to mean something this year. And that's something that the hockey fans in Canada can be really excited to look forward to. So Toronto has an off day today, and then they'll head out for a two game mini series against Connor McDavid and the Oilers. And they'll begin February with a three game mini series versus vancouver that'll be fun all right let's head to tweet of the day all right i'll go first kind of backtracking here back to the jake muzzin situation but eric francis who covers the calgary flames out in sportsnet tweeting out that muzzin flips the puck at kachuk after the final horn and the flames winger is livid bush league move by a veteran defenseman especially after a win no as you can imagine Leafs Twitter did not take too kindly to Eric Francis's words. They got very ratioed in the response, thousands of comments to about 200 or 300 likes. So that's what happens when you stir the pot in Leafs nation. Not that I disagree that it was kind of a unsportsmanlike move for Muzzin as he was called for unsportsmanlike at the end of the game, but who cares? The game is over. So all really that is is two pims in the column in Muzzin's statistics at the end of the year. But I loved the move from Muzzin. I would hate it if I was on the other side, but since he's wearing the blue and white, you love to see it out of the big defenseman. And certainly, as we stated earlier, this will add a little bit more gas to the fire when these teams meet up again at the end of February. How savage would it have been if 
Muzzin, as he was flipping the puck to Kachuk, said, "Here, you got the game puck." <laughs> that that was you the, never that know, was man. The joke. Everybody was saying out there, "Oh, you know, Muzzin just tried to give him the game puck. It should have gone to Boyd." Like very rude of Muzzin to give Kachuk the game puck, and oh man, it's just so petty, and it drew such a reaction, which I think is why it's it's the best. Petty love- from Muzzin, petty from Kachuk. Yeah. I love those all access wired moments and to be able to, if we were to be able to hear that live through uh, some on ice mics, that would have been pretty funny, but I'm sure some words, but yeah, it would have been blipped out. Yeah, for sure. That's one of those uh, that you see in like the NHL all access, or actually I can't wait to see that on the Amazon prime series uh, yes. that they're shooting. I'm sure that we'll be uh, hearing a little bit of the behind the scenes action when that comes out all or nothing. Something to look forward to. I'm going to switch the diamonds. If you did not know, the Jays made another splash in acquiring Marcus Simeon from the Oakland Athletics, former All-Star in 2019 when he hit 33 dingers. So Jays fans hoping he can return to that form. So John Heyman breaking the news saying Marcus Simeon to the Jays. And then Anthony at Tony's Good Times. Someone smart. Give me an NHL comparable. At Tony's good times. Someone smart. Give me an NHL comparable. Hmm. Do, do you know how to compare Marcus Simeon to an NHL player? Because when, when the Jays acquired Tulo and David Price, I thought, yeah, that'd be like acquiring Tyler Sagan and Carey Price. But I can't really compare was it just, Marcus was Simeon. It just because of, was it just because of the last name? That's no. why you... Uh, well, like I might have had a bit price. of a fact. Is that why you made that comparable? Uh, for me, it's the equivalent of the St. Louis Blues signing Mike Hoffman. Talented player, looking to prove it to himself, or looking to prove himself, looking for a bigger deal next year on the market. Um, has an opportunity to win right now in St. Louis, whereas this player looking at Toronto's situation after signing Springer, looking at all the young players there, thinking they have a real chance to make a push in the AL East, and certainly if they can add a couple more arms to the starting rotation, perhaps make a deep run into the postseason. Hoffman signing with the Blues seems like a very comparable player to me. I was thinking James Van Riemsdyk because some years he'll put up 30-plus, just like when Simeon had 33 dingers, and he can be a a good presence defensively. He's He's a big body. And it's hard to compare, man. But I mean, that's that's who I'm going to yeah, go with. I, to compare, <laughs> I don't how know. Am I supposed like... to compare an infielder to like an NHL player? player? All, yeah, all, I can, all I can compare is the contract situation. This guy's betting on himself on a one-year deal in Toronto. Hopefully, looking what I would think to be a longer-term contract elsewhere. And same thing that Hoffman's doing in St. Louis: one-year deal, then looking to sign a bigger ticket, if not in St. Louis, then somewhere else down the road. Okay, so I don't usually get into the the Twitter wars as you like to engage yourself into, but uh, I believe it was Gordon Bombay, if that's even his his real name, or it's just a Twitter yeah, very, name. Yeah, but... very, very notable, very notable uh, Leafs follow on Twitter, Coach Bombay. Yes, big. And you know what? I, I saw that he was uh, wondering where NWHL highlights were, and I thought the, t- the tweet that I composed was uh, sharp, but also here you go, because TSN – who I work for is covering NWHL highlights on the reg and Toronto six picked up their first ever win yesterday. Yeah, no, congratulations to the Toronto six and looking forward to at some point making it down when one of my fondest memories 
was when I was younger, my dad used to always be looking for any sort of hockey tournament that was going on to bring us to just to experience the game. And he ended up taking us to Providence one year who we were hosting the women's frozen four tournament for the top four NCAA teams. And they face off against each other in the championship final. And it was some of the best hockey. And I had some of the best times with my friends who are also on the team. It was just him, a couple of the dads, we went down, we got a hotel, sort of stayed there, just watched a whole bunch of hockey for the whole weekend. It's a, it's a great sport. And I think the fact that the women's sport is growing now and getting a little bit more of a platform to grow is really exciting. And I don't know if you saw the whole thing with between them and Barstool this week, but certainly the publicity hasn't been all positive as far as the NWHL is concerned. And any support that we can give them just to any support that we can give them is going to be appreciated because certainly the publicity that they've been getting over the last 24 to 48 hours has not been the best as the Barstool trolls come out of their caves to you know, just post all the bullshits for lack of a better way to put it that they uh that they enjoy so much we were talking about apparel too i was taking a look through nwhl.com clothing apparel man they got some sweet sweet sweatshirts and and hoodies and game teams apparel check it out i just ordered a a hoodie that i can't wait to to put on it's supposed to be on the way according to uh, nwhl.com but we'll see i'm picking up a hoodie as well for sure this week i mean that's it's dope it's, it's dope people are going to think that we're sponsored by them or something but seriously yeah. like it's, it's great merch and i'm looking forward to uh getting myself a toronto six hoodie bmac this is a little nugget that i took away as well that toronto is six six and oh this year when marner scores a point so that just shows how dominant the team has been or how how essential marner is to the success of this team and how he's been able to dominate this season that the team is undefeated when he gets on the score sheet and in their career, when Matthews and Marner score in the same game, Toronto, 26 wins, two losses, two losses in OT. So both of them found the score sheet last night to approve upon that record. And it just goes with the narrative. When the big dogs are going for this club, they're tough to beat. And all, all the big guys seem to be going at the moment. And Morgan Riley picking up two assists five assists in that two game miniseries against Calgary. Now, a lot of them, you don't really see their secondary, but Hey, as you say, Kenny points don't matter when you rack them up at the end of the season, that play. So Riley had the secondary assist on Matthew's goal. The prelude to that Matthews made, I believe it was Derek Ryan just look like he was a junior B player. I mean, in tight Matthews, just the quick hands gets the play going, wraps it around. And then it's tic-tac-toe back of the net. But I mean, this, in tight, he has some of the softest, softest hands. And once he learns how to use that physicality as well and the big body, which he's learning to this year, especially on the defensive end, a dominant force. He's going to be a dominant force in this league. Brendan, one thing to look at moving forward, and this has been a narrative for the past several seasons, is going to be the Leafs' discrepancy in power plays four versus penalties taken. Now, I know just this morning that right now they're minus eight as far as the differential is concerned, meaning that they've taken – eight more penalties that have been called, which it like called for them. So eight more penalty kills versus power plays. That's good enough for 28th in the league. So they're in the bottom three, as far as the differentiation is concerned right now, they have 35 penalties called against, which is the fourth most in the NHL. So this has been a narrative for the past several seasons that it doesn't seem like Toronto is able to draw penalties despite going to dirtier areas and, you know, make of it what you will. The numbers don't lie. It seems to be a consistency for this team. 
and something that they're going to have to turn around. I don't know how you do it, whether you get a little bit more involved with the refs earlier on in the game and sort of start plating your case or whether you just try to get into the dirtier areas or whether sometimes you just have to fold them up if you feel a stick between your feet. This is an alarming trend for this organization over the last several seasons, especially when the team is built to make the other team pay on the power play. Right. And obviously we've seen Keith not afraid to shuffle those PK units. So hopefully we'll see some divvied up roles and, and hopefully the Leafs can clean up that area, but they'll look for a fourth straight win as they travel to oil country Thursday. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Leafs pod at Ken Stapon at B McCarthy 95. This podcast, of course, brought to you by DraftKings. New users enter the code THPN at sign up for exclusive offers. Kenny, what's on the docket for you, brother? Uh, day off. Wednesday, day off. So just relaxing. Actually going to be buying a new computer as my laptop has died. As the listeners might notice, the audio quality, I've been recording on my iPad for the next two episodes. So hopefully we'll get that sorted out in the next uh, week or so. But yeah, just going to be relaxing, taking my dog to the dog park. And then, uh, yeah, just a nice uh, relaxing afternoon. The Raptors tonight. If you want to sound like Kenny, then drink lots of tea and have lots of honey and you'll get a voice like that. Won't matter the audio quality. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's my trick. Manuka honey and green tea. That's what Andy Circus used when he played Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He just drank honey and like green tea. I can't imagine having to make those raspy <laughs> voices for however long they were shooting that movie. My oh goodness. My goodness gracious. Probably still bugging him. He's just got a permanent sore throat. Yeah, has a shutdown. We got shut down. <laughs>